How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Chomp at the Bit. I'm Kyle Litters, of course. And with it being Thursday, that means we have Thursday Night Football tonight. But before we look forward to week nine, once again, I feel like this season is moving really quickly. But um, we're going to look back at week eight, see what happened in the NFL, see how my picks did. And, of course, keep up with the leaderboard to see if I'm any closer to the 60% after this week or did I take a step back. But before we get into that, um, just like to say that I uh, did notice that there's been some guess, activity on the Facebook page for the podcast. Uh have had quite a few people uh, recently like the page. So appreciate that so much. Uh, hopefully we can continue to grow it and, you know, really get a real community where a lot of, you know, talking back and forth between myself and you guys. And because of that, I will try to do more posts in the page instead of just putting the episodes there with the occasional posts. Because um, I do, you know, I am on Twitter probably more often, but... I do realize that the Facebook page would be a great way to interact with you guys as well. So that will be a change going forward. So I just wanted to say that, but uh, let's go ahead, get into this NFL stuff. And of course, when we look back at week eight, that means we're getting into the pick segment. So, and you already know when you hear that, that means we're going to go over these games I'll give you quick little, uh, guess like a quick little cliff note for each game as to why uh, whichever team won did win, and maybe would probably tie into my pick if I got the pick wrong. What happened that way? So go through these games, and if you hear this, obviously means I got it wrong. Hear this. That means I got it right. And you remember, I do my picks based off of the spread. And once again, if you don't get what that is, if you look on ESPN, Fox Sports, wherever you look, you'll see by the games, you'll see minus a number, plus a number. That's just letting you know minus is the favorite, plus underdog. In order for the favorite to cover, they have to win by more than that number. So if it's minus seven, you have to win by more than seven. The underdog team, all they have to do to cover is not lose by more than that number. So plus seven, they can't lose by more than a touchdown, basically. Lose by less than that, or if they win the game, they cover. If the number hits exactly, 
It's a push or a tie or a draw, however you want to look at it. So there we go. Real quick explanation. Let's go ahead and get into these games. Starting with last Thursday night, where we had the Packers versus the Cardinals. And this is a game where, uh, going into it, I picked the Cardinals minus the 6.5 because the Packers had uh, some injuries. They were missing Devontae Adams, amongst other people. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for the Cardinals to get a win over a conference foe, get a game up on them, because going into the game, both teams are 6 no, Cardinals, sorry. Cardinals were 7-0 seven, seven, seven going to the game. Packers, 6-1. and one. So, for the Cardinals, it would be a way to get two games ahead of the Packers in the conference. And the Packers are looking to even it up, give the Cardinals their first loss. And it was a great game. It came down to the final play. And... Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, it was a star-studded you know, quarterback matchup there. Kyler Murray did struggle in this game as he failed to throw a touchdown. I can't remember many games this year where that's happened. So the Green Bay defense played really well, which is what Green Bay needed to happen in this game. Uh, they got great production on the ground, 34 carries for Green Bay, 151 yards. So they were able to, you know, control the clock and keep the Cardinals' offense off the field because we know that the Cardinals are a quick-strike team. They have that ability, at least. Um, trying to see time and position to give you that number. Yeah, so the Green Bay, Green Bay had the ball for over 37 minutes, and Arizona only had it for 22 minutes. So, so that's clearly where Green Bay's game plan was in all of this. And like I said, came down very last play of the game, well, last series of the game, because Green Bay took a 24-21 lead late. Cardinals driving down, getting to the red zone, and then on a fourth down, no, not a fourth down play. I think it was third down. Either way, it was a pass in the end zone in the right corner. And it looked like when Kyler Murray let go of the pass that it was going to work because there was a little bit of room and Kyler Murray threw it in a good spot just that the receiver didn't get his head around quick enough. And it was picked off in the end zone. Green Bay holds on, get the 24-21 win. So that means it's a loss for me. And Green Bay, with everything against them, down a lot of players, goes into Arizona, gives the Cardinals their first loss of the season, and in the process is now tied with the Cardinals at 7-1. and one. So we'll have to see as the season goes on, is, is this a game that maybe Arizona you know, regrets that they didn't win? And could this be a win for Green Bay that maybe pushes them to better playoff success? Because we've seen in the past the Packers have good years, but get to the playoffs and kind of disappoint. So a win like this is something that could definitely help 
that Green Bay squad when they were down so many players. But let's go ahead, take a look at the next game. Um, next game was the Falcons and the Panthers. I took the Falcons minus the three in this one. Because um, going into this game, you know, the Panthers were on a four-game losing streak, came into this game at three and four. The Falcons, after a couple of wins against some below-average teams, had gotten their record back to three and three. So it was a chance for the Falcons to get over 500. The Panthers came into this one trying to stop their four-game skid, get back into the win column. And, of course, before this game, it was either before the game or like right as the game started, we learned that Calvin Ridley was not going to play because he's dealing with um, personal issues. And then later, basically towards the end of the game, we learned that he's stepping away from football for a little bit for mental well-being. So, you know, definitely hope Calvin really gets all the help he needs. And, you know, of course, football is not the most important thing. It's not more important than, you know, mental health and all that. So, of course, Calvin really did the right thing. But uh, getting back to on the field, uh, we saw... Wasn't exactly the prettiest game. I'll be honest with you. Uh, both offenses were pretty lackluster. Uh, what did save Carolina in this game was that they were able to get their running game going. And if you remember, in the preview of Week Eight or whatever, I said in this matchup, Carolina needed to take the ball out of Sam Darnold's hand because. We were starting to see during the four-game uh, four losing streak, Darnold was starting to make uh, poor decisions, which were leading to turnovers, and they were losing games that way. And I get they don't have Christian McCaffrey, but, I mean, you got Chuba Hubbard, who was pretty good in college. I feel like they needed to come to this game, really give him a chance to show what he could do. And he had 24 carries, 82 yards, uh, that is less than four yards of carry, but he was effective on the ground. Sam Darnold as well ran eight times. He had 66 yards. So that was great for them. Overall, they were 47 carries, 203 yards. And the Falcons, I mean, they rushed it for four yards as a carry, but they only ran it 20 times, 82 yards. So it came down to... Carolina's defense, given Atlanta problems, they got two interceptions from Matt Ryan. They I think they also got a fumble from Matt Ryan. And uh, their new pickup, well, recent pickup, Stephon Gilmore, who they got from New England and played his first game for Carolina. He had an interception late, which really which pretty much sealed the fate for the Falcons. And Carolina goes into Atlanta, gets the win 19-13. to 13. That's another loss. And this quick side note here. Well, not side note, but quick footnote to this game. Atlanta's issues, which 
are becoming more and more clear week after week. Their offense is basically one-dimensional. Um, running the ball-wise, you know, it, it seems like they they don't fully commit to running the ball. I mean, it's not a strength of their game, but I think with Ridley gone, their pass offense is, I mean, is one-dimensional, and it's not even funny because... It seems like most times Matt Ryan is looking for Kyle Pitts first, which I get it. He's the most talented receiver threat that they have. But if you look at these first seven games, the person who might be Atlanta's MVP could be Cordero Patterson as they use him in the backfield as well as in the passing game. At least he's the most versatile player. So I don't know if it comes down to maybe using Patterson more as a wide receiver now to try to take some pressure off of Pitts. And you can still use Patterson in the backfield sometimes, but I would think it'd be a lot less. Maybe using the backfield on third downs where it's probably obvious passing situations, but if he's out there, you can still run the ball. Just let Mike Davis be your lead back. Put Patterson out wide when most of the time backfield third downs when it's probably third and long or whatever and see if Patterson can do something to take the pressure off Pitts because I mean Pitts is facing double and triple teams at this point because nobody else in the receiving core is a real you know threat defensively because nobody's going into these games worried about Tajay Sharp and uh, Zacchaeus and all this stuff so I mean I said the past couple of weeks that the two wins Atlanta had they still looked like a bad football team and this game showed even more that they are still a bad football team and yeah so like I said Panthers are now 4-4 four and four. Falcons follow 3-4 and four. Let's go ahead and move to the next game here. Next game was Buffalo and Miami. Uh, Going into this game, I took Buffalo minus the 14. And, I mean, it was a pretty easy, easy reason why I did do that. It was because Miami is struggling mightily. I can freely admit that going into this season, I thought Miami was going to be a team that was going to be a threat for a playoff spot in the AFC and if not make the playoffs at least be right there and make the AFC like a three team race between them New England and Buffalo but this season has gone far left and a lot of the issues can be traced back to the quarterback position because Tua I mean he ain't it I don't know I mean, there were questions about him coming out of Alabama, but I think most people thought once he got into the NFL, he'd be fine because he would he'd get into a system or something. Or I don't know. But for as good as he was at Alabama, he's been as bad at Miami. Uh, this game, he went 21 for 39, so hovering around... 50%, which we know in this day and age 
if you're not throwing for over 60%, you're pretty mediocre. No touchdowns through an interception. So with him struggling throwing the ball in this game, then rushing, they were 23 carries, 68 yards, which is non-existent. That spelled the recipe for a low-scoring game on Miami's part. So the only way they were going to win this was to keep Buffalo down, which they did for the first half. I'll give Miami credit. This game went into the half 3-3. And when you know when that happened, I thought maybe Miami could pull off the upset. But coming out into the second half, Buffalo went on a 23-8 run in the second half to win the game 26 to 11. So first game of the week, uh, Jared Allen, I mean, not Jared Allen, Josh Allen, sorry. He was 29, 42, 249, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He wasn't, you know, otherworldly in this game, but he was big in the second half. Uh, interesting part with Buffalo is I I just don't know how successful they can be, though, going forward with Josh Allen also being the leading rusher. It seems like in a lot of these games, he rushes for the most yards. And I just think that's going to be exposing him to an injury risk as we get on later in the season. And it probably wears him out by the time he gets to the playoffs. So that's something they're going to need to address later this, I mean, into this season or in the off season, if they go out and you know get a better running back, I don't know what it is. Upgrade the offensive line; they got to do something. Um, I mean, he didn't get sacked, so the offensive line must be doing something well. But I don't know what it is with their run game; it's it's just not happening for them. Um, Cole Beasley had ten catches, hundred and ten yards, so. You know, him running in the slot gave Miami issues in this game. And let's see. So, yeah, so Buffalo, after the slow start in the first half, really kicked it in the gear. Second half, pulled away, got a, I mean, got a win that they had to have because Miami's just not good right now. So, Buffalo improves. Five and two. Dolphins are now one and seven. And we move on to the next game. Let's go Bears Niners. So this game, I had the Bears plus four. Um, I was looking at it as a chance for Justin Fields to bounce back against a team that's dealing with their own injuries and all that. And I guess for the, this was kind of a game where in the first half, it was a slow-moving game. The Bears went into the half up 13-9, so very low scoring. And it looked like that was kind of, be, you know, kind of going to be the way that was going to go the rest of the way. But coming out of the half, the 49ers figured it out, what was going on, and were able to put up points. You know, they put up, what, 24 in the second half. They did it on the back of Garoppolo. He was 17 for 28. Threw for 322. 
So they had a lot of big plays in the passing game. He even ran for a couple of touchdowns uh, late in the game where and there were big plays by him. Now there's a play in the goal line where I think he, he took the handoff. It seemed like it was supposed to be a passing play, but I guess he saw something when he rolled out to the left and he just tucked the ball and he uh, took it in for a touchdown. And actually, when I think about it, I think Samuel came in motion. It was supposed to be a, you know, one of those where snap back to Garoppolo. He does like a quick little shovel pass to the wide receiver cutting in front of him. But something happened in the communication and the snap didn't come quick enough. So Garoppolo just took it and ran around the left side for a touchdown. And so it was because of Garoppolo's play, not only with his arm, but his legs was able to get the win, a much needed win for them as they improved to three and four. Uh, so they won the game 33 to 22. So I got that wrong, but uh, it was good to see, you know, San Francisco play better in the second half. Uh, Justin Fields, he, I'll say he was better this week than he was last week. I mean, he couldn't get any worse. He was 19 for 27, 175, touchdown interception, sacked four times. That's a little much, but that shows you San Francisco really pressured him. And because they were trying to force him to make quick decisions, because we've seen through the uh, first, was it, he didn't start the first game, but like the first uh, five games or so of his career. Sometimes he has trouble processing defenses and making the correct decision. But Fields did help himself on the ground, running 10 times on scrambles, 103 yards. And this is what I was talking about after he struggled last week was that the offensive game plan needs to open up more to allow him to use his athleticism to create plays. Now, he he's definitely going to have to be smart once he's running because, you know, you don't want him getting hurt or anything. But it was interesting to see that because Matt Nagy did not coach in this game as he, uh, I think he had COVID, so he was away from the team. And it just seemed like a more free-flowing offense. So I want to see if Nagy comes back, does he continue to allow that to happen? Um, what's the other note on this one? Well, Justin Fields' interception, oddly enough, was by Josh Norman. You remember Josh Norman? Uh, you know, the stiff arm from Derrick Henry. And then he was gone for a while, but he's popped up again in San Francisco, and I was shocked that he was the one who made the interception. But... Like I said, 49ers 3 and 4, Bears fall to now 3 and 5. All right, next game. Steelers Browns. So, I took the Steelers plus the 4 and a half in this one. And I was going off the assumption that Mayfield was going to play, but I know he's playing hurt. And I know that Pittsburgh's defense likes blitzing a lot and creating pressure. So I thought they would be able to get to 
Mayfield and caused some problems. That's basically what happened. Uh, so Steelers came into this game three and three. Browns came into this at four and three. Uh, Roethlisberger had a pretty good game, I will say. He was 22-34-266 with a touchdown. The run game was key for Pittsburgh. And that's something I said as well when Pittsburgh started off slow was that they're going to have to get the running game going to help, uh, I guess, bridge the gap from the, I guess, the weakening of Roethlisberger's arsenal. You know, gone are the days where Roethlisberger stands back there, you know, four or five guys draped around him, breaking through, finding plays downfield. He doesn't do that anymore. He's basically a statue back there. So, um, and even with those numbers, Roethlisberger had a QBR of only 37. So I kind of let you know. It's basically the quarterback that he is right now. And Mayfield was a little bit better QBR-wise, but he struggled 20 for 31, 225, QBR 53. And rushing, Cleveland 23 for 96. Uh, Like I said, Pittsburgh 32 for 115. So these were two teams that I understood coming into this. It was going to be whichever team could establish the run better would probably win this game. Um, So, yeah, this game came down to – this was another game that came down to the end where – Pittsburgh took a lead late on a crazy throw from Roethlisberger to uh, what's his name? Higher Fryermuth. Where he threw in the back of the end zone. Fryermuth went up, came down, both feet in, gave him the lead. Cleveland had the ball with a chance to take the lead and they couldn't do it offensively. So it was really um it was disappointing for me because I feel like these are games where Cleveland could have could have came out in this one. They were at home. Probably should have beaten Pittsburgh. But there's this I guess after Cleveland started off so well, something is missing with this team. And we're kind of starting to figure out what that is because if you've seen past couple of days on ESPN or whatever. There's been some talk about Odell Beckham. I think he's been excused from practice the past couple of days. Supposedly he's unhappy now. His dad came out and said that, um, basically trying to put a lot of the problems onto Baker Mayfield, saying like, you know, Baker's not looking for him. He only had one target in this game, which... I mean, for Odell, that is pretty shocking. But something is going on there behind the scenes. But the weird thing is that the trade deadline just came and went. They didn't move him. So I don't know what the ultimate plan is here at this point. I'd have to see because I'm not sure about the NFL. Because I think you can, if it gets to the point where he, he becomes like a detriment and you just have to get rid of him. I think they could put him on waivers, see if he clears waivers, and then do something there. 
I think they can do that. I'll have to double check that. But but yeah, clearly the Baker Odell experiment seems like it's coming to an end. It's kind of unfortunate because if Odell is playing right, you have Odell, Jarvis Landry, uh, Joku, Bryant, Hooper. You have some real weapons there. But it once again, it seems like Odell with another team, because we kind of saw this towards the end of his time with the Giants where a lot of noise started coming out from the locker room. And fortunately, they just got to move on from him. Uh, and and ultimately, Odell could be what sinks Cleveland's season in a year where they could have done something special after last year. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe they turn it around somehow. And if Odell's not part of the plans, maybe they need to just distance from him, create a new game plan, try to get, um, you know, Baker to spread the ball out more. Because we did see that in this game. Landry, five catches. Joku, three. Bryant, two. Higgins, two. Hooper, four. Uh, Chubb had one out of the backfield. But, but yeah, it's kind of disappointing after the start for Cleveland. They're back to four and four, back at 500. Steelers are now four and three. Got to be honest with you, I did not see them being four and three at this point. But, hey, however you win, it's fine with me. You just got to find a way. So, for Pittsburgh, it's clearly going to be on the back of their running game. Once again, we'll see how this plays out in the AFC North going into the second half of the season. All right, let's go ahead to the next game, which is Detroit and Philadelphia. So this is uh, – who would I take in this one? Oh, wait, I didn't even say. Pittsburgh won 15-10. Sorry about that. That was a win for me. Now, on to the next game. We have Philadelphia and Detroit. I took Detroit in this one plus three and a half. Kind of felt the same way as last week where I just feel like at some point Detroit's going to have to get a win. I thought this would be a good chance to get one on their schedule because Philadelphia hasn't exactly been playing that well either this year. Well, I was definitely wrong about this one because Philadelphia went into Detroit, beat them down 44-6. to six, So, loss. I don't even know where to begin here because, like, you look at Philly's numbers. I mean, I don't know. Jalen Hurts was 9 for 14, 103 yards. Uh... If I told you a quarterback put those kind of numbers up and still won forty four to six, where how do you how do you describe that for Detroit? Running the ball forty six times for two hundred and thirty six yards. So right there, that's how you know they how they lost. But looking at those numbers, that seems like Detroit got pushed around. Maybe we're starting to see. As the losses pile up, the mentality of Detroit, they're they're shutting down. Maybe. 
So Dan Campbell, who, I mean, I didn't expect to be in Detroit long anyway, but he's going to have to do something to stop this trend because um, other teams will just go into Detroit and just run on them if it seems like they're quitting on the season because clearly wins are going to be hard to come by. And you have some players who will probably be entering free agency in the offseason who may not want to get hurt. So maybe they're playing a little bit cautiously. I don't know. But I was definitely surprised to see that Philadelphia could beat Detroit by 38. I didn't think Philadelphia was 38 points better than Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff, 25 for 34, 222, whatever. Run game, 18 for 57. I mean, they can't do anything well. The only only bright spot for Detroit, TJ Hawkinson, 10 catches, 89 yards. So, he's being wasted in Detroit. But, yeah. Not really any reason to spend too much time on this game. But Eagles, 3-5 and five now. Lions fall to 0-8. And, and the and the the search for a win continues in Detroit. Let's go ahead to the next game. Titans-Colts. Uh, this is a game that I think most people circled on the calendar when uh, the week started because it was two teams before the season we thought these are probably going to be the two teams fighting for the AFC South title uh, Colts got off to a rough start this year Titans kind of started a little slow as well but they turned it around came into this game at 5-2 and two. Colts were 3-4 and four. Um, so I took the Titans plus 3 I remember saying I was kind of surprised that the Colts were the favorite in this matchup. But I guess it's because uh, the Colts are coming off winning, I guess, three in a row. So I think people were thinking that maybe they had turned their season around. Um, story in this one was Carson Wentz, once again, another week where he has a head-scratching interception that you just don't understand what he's doing. And in this case, they were backed up against their goal line and he was um I guess he's well, yeah he's like in the process of getting sacked for a safety but he like got his arm free tried throwing it which I don't know what he was hoping was going to happen because he had a guy draped over him trying to take him to the ground and he tries to throw a pass it floats in the air gets picked off by uh, what Molden, I think the defensive lineman who then basically falls into the end zone. And it's... And I, I just don't get it. Because, I mean, I wasn't on the Carson Wentz train when he signed with Indy. I wasn't one of those who thought Indy was automatically going to have this great year because they got Carson Wentz. Because, yeah, Carson Wentz had... That year in Philly when he was, you know, an MVP candidate and then got hurt. 
But since then, what has he really been? He's been a disappointment. And, you know, they had a few wins that they strung together. People were starting to feel good about him. But we're seeing the same things that plagued him at the end in Philly. Carrying over to Indianapolis. Senseless turnovers. Um, he's, I mean, he went 27 for 51. That's like poor. That's well below 50% throwing the ball. I mean, sorry, no, it's not. It's right above 50%. That's probably like, what, 50, probably 53. That's not good enough. And Indianapolis, you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, talented running back, because that was what this matchup was built up as. Derrick Henry versus Jonathan Taylor, the top two running backs in the league rushing yards-wise. But Taylor was only 16 for 70, not the best day. He did contribute in the passing game, 3 for 52, so he gave you 122 all-purpose yards. You'll take that. Uh, Henry actually struggled in this game, and then we later found out he has a foot issue, and he'll probably miss the rest of the regular season, chance to come back in, like, January for the playoffs. So... Uh, the running back matchup didn't live up to what we thought. So it came down to quarterback play. Tannehill was just better than Wentz. Tannehill, 23 for 33. Great percentage there. 265, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Both quarterbacks with three touchdowns, two interceptions. But Wentz, that one interception is the one that stands out in my mind. It was the worst of the four between the two of them. And because of that... The Titans were able to come away with this win. They won it 34-31 to 31 in overtime. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. And I, I even believe in overtime was the second interception by Wentz when he was trying to throw, I think it was an out to his left, and the Titans 
corner. Oh, I browse Byard. Byard. He's a safety, I believe. He jumped the route, got the pick, which then set up Tennessee to uh, basically kick the winning field goal in overtime. And yeah, so Indy looks like they'll probably just beat bad teams, and when they go up against better teams, Wentz's inability to make smart decisions is going to keep sinking them. But there's still some time left, so like I said, 34-31 Titans. That one right. Colts fall to three and five. Titans are now six and two. So the Titans are now three games up in the division on the Colts. And yeah, Titans clearly think they're on their way to winning the AFC South. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the next game. We have the Bengals and the Jets. Um, let's see. I took the Bengals in this one minus 11. And for obvious reasons, the Jets are the Jets. Uh, Bengals are coming off the big win over uh, Baltimore. Yeah. And we're sitting atop the AFC going into this week. They were five and two. Jets came in at one and five. So all the signs pointed to the Bengals having another easy week. Uh, yeah, it was in New York, but the Bengals are the better team. They have a better quarterback. They have better running back. They have better wide receivers. And a better defense. So, seemed pretty obvious to take the Bengals in this one. Well, once again, can't be too sure about anything in the NFL. Uh, with no Zach Wilson, the Jets turned to Mike White, who, to be honest with you, before these past two weeks, I had no idea who Mike White was. Don't really know much about him, but... He had his coming out party in this game. Mike White went 37 for 45, which is ridiculous. Threw for 405. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. So out of the eight incomplete passes he had all day, two of them were picked off. And here's another oddity in the NFL. After hearing those numbers, you probably think Mike White... Might have had near a perfect QBR. Far from it, his QBR was only 54. Now, I'll be the last one to tell you, I don't understand how QBR works. It's all factored about, you know, throws you make, when, I don't know. But somehow, you throw 37, 45, 405, and your QBR is only 54. Go figure. Um... Joe Burrow on the other side was 21 for 34, 259, three touchdowns, one interception. So one less pick by Joe Burrow, but clear advantage there was to Mike White. And the run game as well. You got to give the Jets credit. They held Joe Mixon in check. He was 14 for 33. Uh, and, And with that, you know, 
Mike White outperformed Joe Burrow. The run game was non-existent. Gave the the Jets a real chance in this game. And probably in the biggest shocker of the day, the Jets ended up knocking off the Bengals 34-31. It's another loss. But uh, the Bengals, you know, they fall to 5-3. and three, But this... This will, will hopefully give them a little bit of a wake-up call in that, yeah, you played well, beat a Baltimore team, but if you don't bring it week after week, you're liable to get upset by anybody. And losing to a Jets team that's now 2-5, and five, but you just lost to a one-loss, a one-win Jets team has to make you, you know, go back to the drawing board, really focus, and... Maybe this is a a loss for the Bengals that we'll look back and see if their season goes as it was, you know, projected to go as they played and got some wins early on. Maybe this is a loss that works out for them in the late run where they realize that can't take anybody and you can't take anybody lightly. You have to bring your A game week in and week out. So, like I said, big shark. But shout out to Mike White. I mean, might have a quarterback controversy in New York when Zach Wilson comes back. I mean, just saying. Zach Wilson was not putting up numbers like this. So either Mike White has a better handle on the offense or Zach Wilson is not seeing what... Mike White is or I don't know maybe the wide receivers like playing for Mike White I don't know they gotta figure that out but Jets get their second win Bengals are now 5-3 and let's go to the next game we have Rams Texans this is another game where seemed pretty obvious on paper Rams are minus 16 I took the Rams minus the 16 because, you know, clearly have way more talent than Houston. Uh, Let's see. All right, so looking at this game, we had Matt Stafford, 21 for 32, 305. They were able to get the run game going, 31 for 165. So offensively, the Rams could do whatever they wanted. They built up a huge lead through three quarters. They were up 38 to nothing. So well on their way to probably embarrassing blowout um, of of the Texans. But then through some kind of wizardry, the Texans score 22 points in the fourth quarter. Davis Mills, 29 for 38 for 310. Once again, his QBR is only 12 because he was sacked five times. I guess that kills your QBR. They didn't run the ball, 14 for 44, so it was all Davis Mills in the fourth quarter. So clearly what happened here was the Rams got out 38 nothing. They started playing like prevent and stuff, gave the Texans plays underneath. They got you know, put some drives together, scored some touchdowns, had an onside kick or two in the process, went for two a couple of times. It was, 
I mean, it was, you know, good to see you know, Houston fight back a little bit after getting down 38 to nothing. But for all intents and purposes, through the first three quarters when the game was, you know, well, not really in hand, but when the Rams were clearly taking it more seriously on defense, they were blowing them out. They let up a little in the fourth quarter. The Texans put together scoring drives. So 38-22 to 22 means the number hit exactly 16. So it's not a win or a loss. It is a push. So that's a tie for me. Or a draw, whatever you want to call it. And based on how this week is going so far, this is a game that's probably going to come back and hurt me this week because... It was a game that should have been an easy win. It was it was going on to be a win after three quarters. And because the Rams let up in the fourth, it was a win I should have had that's been taken away. So I guess because of that, I should, yeah, should say boo. But, but hey, Rams improved the 7-1. And, and with the Cardinals loss uh, that we talked about earlier, as well as the Packers win, we now have what those three teams at seven and one. The Texans fall to one and seven. Um, you know, still not a good team. And as we saw the, the trade deadline coming and going, they still have the whole Deshaun Watson issue. But because of his legal issues, it seems like they couldn't really trade him because what team's going to take him, not knowing what's going to go on there. So that's still going to hang over this team for the rest of the year. But I mean, hey, maybe David Mills, because of this fourth quarter showing, maybe he can, I don't know, use this as momentum and play better the next coming weeks and at least give the Texans the idea that he can be the quarterback of the future. Because right now, I mean, you're 1-7, so it wouldn't be... Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a stretch to think if the Texans, well, not if, but when the Texans end up with a top pick in the first round next year, that they wouldn't draft a quarterback again. So right now, Mills is auditioning to be the quarterback, the starting quarterback next year. He'll probably be on the roster, but maybe as a, probably as a backup. And for Stafford and them, I mean, it was an easy win, so they did what they had to do. And, as we learned in the week as well, they got Von Miller from Denver. So you're going to add Von Miller to that defense where you'll now have to deal with Aaron Donald up front, Leonard Floyd and Von Miller in the la- in the linebacking core, Jalen Ramsey on the back end. Interested to see when Von Miller gets on the field how that defense looks. Because... Depending on Von Miller's health and all that, that move right there could be the move that gets the Rams into the Super Bowl. But we'll have to wait, obviously, months for that. But let's go ahead and take a look at the next game. Uh, we have the Patriots and the Chargers. So for those of you who might be new here, I am a Patriots fan, born and raised in Boston, down in the Atlanta area now, so I 
do follow the Falcons as well, but I'm still a Patriots fan. So just want to put that out there for you guys to you know, get to know where I'm coming from with uh, my sports fandom. But I will say I don't let that fandom, you know, breed any biases or anything like that. Keep it straight with you. So anyway, go ahead. Patriots, Chargers. Uh, I took the Patriots plus four and a half. Um, and I was going off of last year's game where Belichick put together a phenomenal defensive game plan, which led to a 45 nothing shutout of the Chargers. And that was even with the struggles of Cam Newton and all that. The struggles at quarterback, basically. And looking at the past few games with Mac Jones continuing to get better, continuing to push the ball downfield a little bit more, um, I thought with Belichick's ability to look, uh, I mean, as it looks like, to confuse Herbert with Mac Jones' better play at quarterback, it seemed that the Chargers were ripe for an upset. So that's why I want the Patriots plus four and a half. And basically that's what happened in this game where both quarterbacks were 18 for 35. Herbert threw for 223, but Mac Jones threw for 217. And if that quarterback matchup was going to be somewhat level, that's a win for New England. The fear was Herbert with his second chance would be able to uh, dissect what Belichick was trying to do and have a big day in the passing game. But it didn't happen. So, like I said, win for New England there. Um, coming into this game, most people thought New England was going to rely on their rushing attack because the Chargers have one of the worst rush defenses in the league. New England ran 39 for 142. So, that's about so like three and a half yards a carry, which is, I mean... Usually the watermark is four yards of carry. But three and a half, running 39 times, that's effective enough. And then on the other side, the Rams were, I'm mean not the Rams, good Lord. The Chargers were 20 carries, 163 yards, eight yards of carry. But that number is skewed because the Chargers had a 75-yard run early on in the game. So you wipe that away. It's about, what, 19 carries, uh, like 88 yards. So, But it was an exciting game. Uh, had some back and forth. Uh, Mac Jones continued his growth because he did hit some plays downfield. He continues to show that even with the numbers not being there, because 18 for 34, 35 is poor, but he made the right decision. There were some times where he threw the ball away where that's what was the right thing to do instead of forcing it. Um, he made plays in the passing game that were needed. He was much better in the second half than the first half. And uh, for this New England team to go out to L.A., get a win over the Chargers, their first win over a team that's seen as a playoff caliber team, and defensively, Adrian Phillips was the MVP on defense. He had two interceptions. One was a pick six, 
which turned out to be a big play in the game. Um, because for the most part, this game was twenty-seven to seventeen. The Chargers got a, a late touchdown, basically garbage time touchdown, because they scored with like ten seconds left on a, a deep throw to the end zone where uh, Josh Palmer out jumped. Um, what's his name in the secondary? Jalen Mills for a touchdown, which made twenty-seven twenty-four. So. So the score doesn't really tell the full story here. New England, for the most part, dominated this game. And the Patriots got the win 27-24 to improve to 4-4. Four and four. They're now 3-0 and on the road, which is interesting. Because I think most people thought with the young quarterback, they would be a little bit better at home, maybe struggle on the road. It's been quite the opposite. The Chargers are now four and three. So New England, you know, being four and four looks a lot better than being three and five. They are now right back into the playoff hunt. I think they're now the number eight seed. And their next stretch of games gets a little bit easier. So, and we know Belichick's philosophy. He talks about playing your best in November and December. And we're now into the uh, first week of November. So the Patriots are set up to go on a little run here. So we'll see at the end of the month, you know, around Thanksgiving and all that, where New England is. But this is a big win for them and could take them off on a road where they start moving up the standings here. Chargers, I'm not too worried. I still think that they're a good football team. It was just that clearly Belichick has Herbert and the Chargers number. We'll have to see if they can bounce back next week and get a win. But yeah, still like Herbert. I still like, you know, Keenan Allen and Jared Cook. I still like the Chargers makeup, but definitely a big win for New England. Uh, Let's go ahead. Check out the next game. So we have Jaguars and the Seahawks. Uh, This is a matchup that I took the Jaguars plus the three and a half. Um, Did that mainly because Geno Smith is now the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. He struggled last week. So I thought there was a good chance he may play better this week, but I didn't think he would do. I thought it would be like a low-scoring game and... If the Jaguars lost, it'd be like a field goal game. Or maybe they pull an upset only because the Seahawks offense struggled. Once again, kind of been a theme of the week so far. I was dead wrong on this one. Uh, Seahawks got the win 31-7. to Improved to 3-5. and Jaguars fall to 1-6. And, and Geno Smith... I think he went 19 for his first 19, throwing the ball, ended the game 20 for 24, 195, two touchdowns, no interceptions. QBR of 83.7. So he had a great, great day for himself. Um, Running the ball was 25 for 69, so not much there. So offensively, they didn't, you know, they didn't do too much offensively. But uh, defensively, they were able to keep the Jaguars out of the end zone. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was 32-54, 238. Touchdown, interception. 
Uh, I was only sacked once, running the ball 19 for 82. So, uh, I don't think there was any, yeah, there's no, like, special teams touchdown. Yeah, oh, yeah, there was. Seattle got a kick return touchdown. I think to do Homer. Yeah, he got that off of a onside kick. I remember that play. Yeah, it was one of those plays that I mean, kind of lets you know uh, the Jaguar season. You try an onside kick. Homer, you know, shot a gap, recovered it, and just kept going. Scored a touchdown. So yeah, Jaguars, one and six, tough year. Um, we'll still have to see if Urban Meyer keeps his job pass this year, because we know that there's going to be some college talk. The USC USC job is still out there. Plus his off the field stuff he had a couple of weeks ago. The team doesn't seem to be getting any better. It's not looking good for him. For the Seahawks, maybe this is a win that saves their season. Because if they had lost this game, they'd have been 2-6. and six. Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, is still a week or so away. But now 3-5, and five, you feel a little better if you have to use Geno Smith again next week. Maybe you can get around 500 for when Russell Wilson is able to come back and play. And then maybe you can find your way back into the playoffs. Um, Yeah, nothing else to really say about this game, so we'll move on to the next one, which was Broncos versus Washington football team. I took the Broncos minus the three and a half in this one. Uh, Broncos being at home, I felt like that would be enough to... Get them the win over Washington. You look at both teams. I don't think there's too much that sets them apart from each other. Uh, I mean, the Broncos came into this one three and four. Washington was uh, two and five. So record-wise, pretty similar. Um, you look at Bridgewater, Heineke. Pretty similar there. Running back-wise, Melvin Gordon, uh, Gibson, similar. Similar teams, just that the Broncos are probably a little bit better. Uh, Bridgewater is definitely smarter with the football than Heineke is, and that ultimately is probably the separation of the two teams. And looking at this matchup, Bridgewater went 19 for 26, 213 with a touchdown, no interceptions key number there Heineke 24 for 39 to 70 with a touchdown but two interceptions so in this game of two teams kind of similar that turnover margin ultimately led to the difference in the game Broncos held on for a 17 to 10 win for me um and get back to four and four. Washington now slips to two and six. And basically what we learned from this game is that the Broncos margin of error, very slim. Because there was still a chance late 
for Washington to get a tie in this game, but I think that a turnover and downs or something late in the game. And then even then, I think Denver got the ball back, wasn't able to do anything offensively, gave it back to Washington. And then Washington still couldn't find their way into the end zone. So that's why I'm saying Denver held on in this one. But because Bridgewater protects the ball better than Heineke in this one, they were able to keep the touchdown lead. So like I said, Denver, margin of error, very slim. Because they're, they're a pretty good team. It's just that they're not dynamic in any way. You know, now Von Miller's gone on defense. That takes some of the dynamic away on that side of the ball. Uh, Bradley Chubb, I think, is still hurt for them. Offensively, in the skill position area, you have Melvin Gordon, but he's kind of just an average running back. Um, You have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, pretty talented. Oh, Noah Fant as well. Talented pass catchers, but... Uh, Bridgewater's a guy who doesn't necessarily throw the ball deep that often. So it can be a struggle at times for this uh, Denver team offensively. So 4-4 four and four seems right for them. Um, they seem like a around 500 type of football team. But there is definitely some room there for them to, for them to improve. Um... What's going to fall on Bridgewater? So, more performances like this, 19 for 26, is going to be low scoring. Some teams in the AFC, that's going to work against. Other teams, I mean, especially in their division, Chargers can put up points. The Chiefs, if they're right, can put up points. The Raiders can put up points as well. So, they're going to have to fix that, become more dynamic offensively. Otherwise, they're going to be putting way too much pressure on their defense in order for them to get wins in the second half of the season. Uh, For Washington, I mean, uh, mean, we'll have to see. I don't think Heineke is the answer going forward. He'll most likely get the rest of this year to, you know, audition – but I fully expect Washington to be in the quarterback market in the offseason, most likely the draft. Uh, let's go ahead take a look at the next game. We got the Bucks versus the Saints. I took the Bucks in this one minus the four and a half. Um, let's see. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, the Saints have been up and down this year. Uh, Winston coming into this game up and down. Uh, Brady and the Bucks have played pretty well. Brady's in the MVP conversation for this year. So it seemed, especially with the number being four and a half and wasn't too big, I thought it seemed like a no brainer. Uh, Bucks came into this one six and one. Saints were four and two. So the top two teams in the NFC South down in New Orleans. Big chance if Dorans could pull the upset to pull within a half game of the Bucks 
if the Bucks get the win in this one, you know, improve to seven and one, knock the Saints down to four and three, get yourself a two and a half game lead. Um, this game turned out to be way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. And then even more so once Jameis Winston got hurt, I thought the game was going to be over at that point. But got to give it to Trevor Simeon. He came in, went 16 for 29 after Winston was 6 for 10. So to collectively, they were 22 for 39 for 209 with two touchdowns, no interceptions. And this, like the Denver game, the no interceptions between the two was an important stat because Brady went 28 for 40. He threw for 375, had four touchdowns, but at two major interceptions in this game, which really turned the tide. And uh, you take those two interceptions with the fact that New Orleans was 32 for 152 on the ground. And the Saints pulled off the upset here. They go uh, get the win 36 to 27. <laughs> improved to 5 and 2. Bucks are now 6 and 2. So they're now a half game behind the Bucks for the division lead. Um, so with the two interceptions from Brady, Brady also had a fumble, which he lost. So that's three turnovers, turnovers from Brady, which were. Big, big, big plays in this game. And, I mean, New Orleans, you know, behind that crowd played probably the best game that they played all year. Now, we'll have to see with Winston. I believe he has a knee issue because I think they said it was his. I think he tore the MCL, sprained the PCL or something like that. Um, actually, let me, let me, let me double, let me double check. Make sure I give you the right information. Okay. So I was wrong. He tore his ACL. So that's the bad one. When you hear about knee injuries, you have ACL, MCL, PCL. Tearing the ACL is the worst of the three. And that's what Jameis Winston did. So it looks like he'll probably be gone for the rest of the season. I don't think I've heard them make any moves in the quarterback room. So I guess they're going to go with Simeon as a starter for now. Obviously, they have to bring in somebody to be a backup. So we'll have to see what New Orleans does there. But like I said, with with the Winston injury early in this game, Simeon coming in, and from the Simeon that I remember in Denver, didn't think they'd be able to hang in there with them. They not only do that, but the defense comes up big. Like I said, three turnovers of Tom Brady. Um, Get the big upset. Five and two. The Saints, especially with this defense, the defense is probably going to have to carry them for the next few weeks. Especially as Simeon, we'll have to see how he plays as as a starter now. But... Behind a defensive effort like this, the Saints could be a problem. Um, I don't. I didn't pick them as a playoff team. I think to start the year, but they're looking like a team that might steal a playoff spot from somebody. And when you look at the the NFC West, 
Most people thought you'd get three teams out of that division. That's looking a little iffy right now. So maybe with that opening, maybe the Saints jump into it. We'll have to see. But definitely a good win for them and Sean Payton. Tough loss for the Bucks. Uh well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I'm expecting the Bucks to bounce back, but I don't know. Maybe it was a game where Brady showed his age a little bit. Now, trust me, I'm not Max Kellerman here. I'm not talking about a cliff or anything. I fully expect Brady to bounce back, but uh, it was interesting. Uh, let's go ahead take a look at the next game here. Uh, so we got Cowboys, Vikings. That was the what Sunday night game. Um, yes. So took the Cowboys here plus three. And I remember when I picked this game, I was trying to figure out why the Vikings were the favorite in this matchup. Of course, I didn't know Dak Prescott was going to be out when I made this pick. I stuck with it anyway because I felt like, based off of um, Kirk Cousins' history with primetime games where he struggles, and I think even though without um, Dak Prescott, we got a guy named Cooper Rush as the quarterback, I felt like they would rely on their running game, keep the game close, and win it late. Basically, that's what happened in this game, except for I was wrong on the part with Dallas. It wasn't their running game that actually carried them in this one. It was Cooper Rush. He was 24 for 40 for 325, two touchdowns and an interception. The running game was 24 for 78. That's pretty pedestrian. But yeah, Cooper Rush was the story of this game. Kirk Cousins, once again, 23 for 35, that's okay, but only 184. So his struggles in primetime continue because uh, the Cowboys won this game 20 to 16. To improve to 6 and 1 in the NFC East, you might as well lock that division up already. You know, yeah, if any of you remember, was it Tecmo Super Bowl? When you like won the division, that little screen that popped up with the music and all that, you might as well play it now. Dallas is going to win that division easily. Um, but yeah, Cooper Rush probably going to be a one and done thing with him. I'm expecting Prescott will probably be back next week, but if he's not, the Cowboys can feel pretty comfortable having Rush out there. Um. Biggest play of the game probably wasn't even from him. They ran a like a reverse wide receiver pass where oh, I think Wilson threw it to I think it was CD Lamb on a 35-yard gain. Gotta tell you, Wilson threw kind of a tight spiral. So the era of wide receivers making like ridiculous passes in the NFL continues but but yeah this is a game that Minnesota 
probably should have won with Dak Prescott not playing, being able to hold the run rush offense in check. You know, Dalvin Cook was out there, not like he was hurt or anything. So in Minnesota's bid to get back into the playoff picture, this is a game I think is going to come back to hurt them in the end. I still think they're going to come up short, but this is a game that they could have changed my view of them because four and three looks a lot better than three and four, but they didn't make it happen. Got to figure out what this is about Kirk Cousins on primetime, why he seems to struggle each time. I don't know. That's somebody else can do that research, but it's kind of odd. Because I don't think Kirk Cousins is that bad of a quarterback. I'd say he's probably, I mean, he's probably middle of the road, but it's not like he's, you know, bottom third of the league or anything like that. But he just shows the worst on primetime. I don't know. But, yeah, so Cowboys get the win. You know, bought themselves a week to get Dak Prescott healthy. Managed to get the win anyway. So, uh, that's a uh, that's a double win to me for them. But let's go ahead and check out this last game of the week. Chiefs-Giants, which was the Monday night game. And, um, hold on a second. So I took the Chiefs in this one minus the 10. And that was probably more about the Giants than the Chiefs because I, I do not like the way that the Chiefs are playing. They look like they're missing something offensively. Patrick Mahomes has struggled this year. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. But I also know what the Giants are. Uh, they're a team with injuries. No Saquon Barkley. No. Uh, who are they? I mean, Slayton didn't really do anything. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. 
start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula, infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp, helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then, open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. He only had two targets, no catches. He's just now coming back from injury. They just got Shepard back, I think. But all the makings were there for you know, the Chiefs on Monday night to get an easy win, a nice blowout win, get all the analysts and stuff to say, look, this is the Chiefs team that we knew that they were, all that kind of stuff. That didn't happen. The Chiefs win a nail biter, twenty to seventeen. And to be honest with you, it's a game that the Giants should have won. The Giants played way better than the Chiefs did, but because of the Giants' shortcomings, they let this win slip away. So the Giants are now two and six, four games back of the Cowboys. The Chiefs get back to four and four. If the season started, I mean, when the season started, pretty sure nobody had the Chiefs being 4-4 four and four after eight games. That's where they are right now. They're an average team and should have lost this game. They should be 3-5, and five, which would make them below average. But they are a team that should, that's, I, I just, I don't know. At this point, I, I don't know what to say about them. Mahomes had another interception. I think he's up around 9 or 10 now on the year. He had a QBR of 19. That might be the lowest, I think, from going over these games. I think that's the lowest on the day, well, for the week. Um, They were able to run the ball, 27 for 107. That was kind of their saving grace in this game. Uh, Tyreek Hill, 12 catches on 18 targets. But his longest catch was 15 yards. That's not what Tyreek Hill is in Kansas City for. Normally, Tyreek Hill has 30-yard gains, 40-yarders. Sometimes 50-yarders, that's as long. To only have 15 means that Patrick Mahomes is not throwing the ball downfield that much anymore I don't know what the cause of that is is that offensive line issues 
is he getting jumpy in the pocket and throwing short, not looking deep anymore? Is he just not accurate deep anymore? Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Defense is just playing him deep, but we saw that before. Yet Tyreek Hill and Kelsey were able to find pockets to either get, you know, yards after the catch or find a seam and then hit a big gainer. That doesn't seem to be happening this year. And I think that frustration is, you know, evident in their low scoring totals. A couple of years ago, against this Giants team, the Chiefs would have put up 40 with their eyes closed. They struggled to get to 20. So, yeah, it's a nice win for them. It's nice to be 4-4, four and four, but trust me, they're not tricking me. I'm not. I didn't think they're going to be a Super Bowl team to start the year. I definitely don't think they're a Super Bowl team now. And this game is just mm, meh to me. Doesn't sway me either way. I mean, there's not really much to say about this game. Like I said, Giants let it slip away. We're the better team on the night. But there's a reason why the Giants are 2-6. and six. So, there you are. That is NFL Week 8. And I guess since we're halfway point, we could take a quick look at the standings. And just to see where, where everybody is. So, in the AFC... You have the Titans leading the AFC at six and two, and would would have the bye if you know the playoffs started tomorrow. Then after that, you have wait, okay, so Titans are six and two, Raiders the two seed at five and two. They own the tiebreaker on Baltimore and Buffalo, who are also five and two. So Baltimore is your three seed. Buffalo is four. The Bengals, 
who came into this week as number one, are now number five at five and three. Then you have the Steelers and Chargers at four and three. Steelers have the tiebreaker, so Steelers six, Chargers seven. And then in the playoff hunt, you have Patriots, Chiefs, Browns, and Broncos all at four and four, with the Patriots owning the tiebreaker over all of them, so they're the eight seed. Chiefs nine, Browns ten, Broncos eleven. NFC, you have the Packers and Cardinals seven and one. The Packers own the tiebreaker over the Cardinals because of Thursday night win. The Cardinals own the tiebreaker over the Rams because the Cardinals have already beaten the Rams this year. They gave the Rams their only loss. So the Rams, who are also seven and one, are are the five seed instead of the one or two seed. Cowboys six and one, three seed. Bucks six and two, the four seed. Saints still have a playoff spot. That's why that win was so big for them. Five and two is a six seed. The Panthers with their win over the Falcons are four and four and are now the seven seed. Everybody else is below five hundred. So Vikings three and four, Niners three and four, Falcons three and four. But yeah. We're now into the second half of the NFL season. Playoff race is coming into is becoming more and more clear. So now when I do these, we will look at the playoff standings going forward to see movers and shakers in the standings. But there we are. All right. Um Oh yeah, so that means I went six, eight, and one this week. So that's definitely a step back from last week, which means overall I am 60, 59, and 2. Okay, still above 500, though. I'll take that. How did I do picking underdogs this week? Oh, 1-1. I went 4-3 and three picking underdogs. So I'm steadily over 500 picking underdogs, but overall, hit or miss. So... Four and three, that means I'm 23, 17, and one picking underdogs. All right. But, um. Oh, well, I guess before I get out of here, one last thing. I'm sure all of you heard the story with Henry Ruggs from the Raiders, you know, getting into the accident, found out, you know, it was fatal. Uh, you know, he hit somebody, killed them, turned out it was a DUI. He's been released by the Raiders, which was the obvious decision there. Faces jail time. I think it's like two to 20 years. But another young football player, Henry Ruggs is what, 21, 22. Basically look at it as his career is probably over at this point. We'll have to see the whole legal ramifications, of course. I mean, if he gets the full 20 years, yeah, his career is over. But definitely something to think about where too many times we're seeing these athletes make these decisions and you just hate to see a young career probably over at this point. It's not just about Henry Ruggs as well because the, you know, the person who was killed in the accident, I mean, definitely have to send your... Uh, prayers and all that up to that person's family because it's a situation that shouldn't have happened but it did and somebody's life was lost so 
I mean, you just have to be smarter with these decisions, especially for these athletes. They have all the available options to them. You know, they can go out and drink and do whatever they want. But, like, from what I've understood, teams have things set aside for them. Like, if they go out and party, they can, you know, call for a driver's service or something like that and not put themselves in these situations. So, it's unfortunate what happened to Henry Ruggs. Even more unfortunate to the family of the person that was killed in the accident. But it was definitely a situation that should have been avoided, should not have ever happened. But just wanted to end the episode with that real quick. But um, uh, thanks, thank you guys for uh, listening, tuning in. Uh, also, shout out all of you who are new from uh, you know the Facebook page. See that gotten a few more likes for the page this week. So shout out to you guys for that. Uh, definitely spread the word because it's still a growing podcast here. And, you know, help me out with that. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Have a good one out there. Be safe. Uh, God bless. And I'll catch you next episode. And not really sure what I'm talking about yet. Might talk college football. Definitely have to talk about World Series, which is now over. I'm sure most of you know about that, so we'll have to put a a ring on that and the baseball season. Talk NBA, so plenty to talk about, but I'll catch you next episode. We'll see what I'll talk about, but have a good one. I'm out. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 